This episode is sponsored by our friends at Musicbed. Find the perfect song for your films with a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a good listener, you can get your first month of subscription free or 20% off a single song purchase. Just enter promo code GOOD when you check out. This episode of Good is also sponsored by Lemieux Company. Let's hear from the man himself, Wilson Lemieux. Are you recording me right now? Yeah. Lemieux Company. That's L-E-M-I-E-U-X. Lemieux Company. One of the best production companies around. Also this season, we're continuing to give away a ton of content over at Patreon, sharing treatments, behind-the-scenes photos, and ways to interact with our guests from each episode. To become a patron, check out patreon.com slash goodthepodcast. Hey guys, my name's Christian Schultz, and this is Good. I want to take a second. I was thinking this past weekend, um, just after we started putting out, you know, after the we just put out the first episode, there was kind of a, a lot of people reaching out via email or Instagram or Twitter um, that were just excited that we were doing the show again. And I was just thinking about that. And yeah, I just, I think I just want to apologize maybe for, taking that interaction with other filmmakers um, for granted. If you listen to the show, if you interact with us, if you, you know, if you're on Patreon and submitting questions to, to guests and stuff, you know, um, just a big thanks. But today we have an amazing interview with cinematographer Andrew Palermo. His latest uh, film that's come out is a film called A Ghost Story. Uh, which stars Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara and directed by David Lowry. And Andrew and David Lowry were, were currently in production on his latest feature called Green Knight in Dublin while we were recording this. So, And I hope you guys enjoy this episode with cinematographer Andrew Palermo. But just to give a little context, where are you right now? So I'm in Ireland, um, prepping and prepping a movie that we're about to start shooting in two weeks. And you're shooting with David Lowry, correct? Yeah, yeah, new one with David Lowry. It's an A24 movie that um, a adaptation of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is like a, a lesser known um, Arthurian tale, a Knights of the Round Table story that um, is an old Middle English poem that David adapted. And, um, so we're, we're about to make a big medieval, yeah, a ghost story basically, <laughs> but on a, on a big scale. So that's amazing. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. It seems like David has even with Pete's dragon and stuff, like, is, is there some kind of references that he's pulling from that most people wouldn't, wouldn't know about? Yeah. I mean, we there's a lot of, um, a lot of films we talk about. Um, you know, I, I did like, before this 
you know, before I got here, I just did a deep dive into absolutely every film made with King Arthur, basically. Mm. Um, Although our film is, you know, King Arthur is not the main character. It just was like, oh, I should just familiarize myself with what what these medieval um, Arthurian tales look like and what do I like and, um, you know, what is the... What does the Ridley Scott version look like? What does the right. John Borman version look like? What is the you know and and they all take it so differently and and also this film has been made before um, and so you know of course I wanted to see what it looked like and um, whether or not there was anything I wanted to shy away from or steal from or right. you know, and, and that's what you do you know for every film that you're looking at and but um, you know there's a lot of different a lot of different inspirations and, and I've tried more so, but although I'm like, um, the type of person that I, you know, I really love movies and draw from movies a lot. Um, I, for this one, I've been really trying to look more at, at paintings as much as I right. could. Um, but it's not really ever directly applicable. It's like, um, it's more of a feeling that I get from a painting that I try to bring into something, but, right. um, and that can be, it that cannot be a very productive conversation with other departments or even my own department. Like if right. I'm trying to talk to a gaffer and we're just, you know, it's like hard to articulate your feeling and what you're after and why this, um, right. this thing is evocative of, uh, you know, this painting is evocative of something that, you know, I don't know. It, it's a really like, it's a maze of a conversation you can get into instead of just being like, this is a still that I really like. And let's do exactly this, basically. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Um, but. So when you when you have kind of an image that's emo- uh, evoking a feeling, mm-hmm. uh, how do you go about actually practically telling that to your team? Yeah, I mean, if it's, um, I guess generally you just start with the gaffer and you just go from there, and it just trickles out, and and that's really the as far as you know. You don't need to get in necessarily to. Um, the various other folks in your team, you know, like the ACs don't need to necessarily know the vibe you're going right. for. Um, you know, do you feel unless, like your gaffer needs to know that though? I do. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I think there's like a, um, there can be feeling and light in a way that it falls on somebody or, um, you know, the mood that it gives you or the, you know, the, the absence of it or the color of it or the shape of it. Um, and I think that can all, you know, today I was, I spent all day with my gaffer, so I'm thinking a lot about light and he and I were scouting, um, sort of the main key locations before the tech scout and just kind of feeling each other out. And this is a person that I haven't worked with. So, you know, we just want to meet Mm -hmm. each other and, and learn each other. And, um, I talk a lot about feeling, in spaces and or what the feeling of the script is at this point or what the feeling I'm trying to push for and the camera at this point, you know, what, right. um, what the character's feeling, what, or maybe what, um, this whole sequence might feel like. Cause you know, some of these things David and I discuss are really more sections of a movie versus, um, one scene, you know, like a right. bedroom scene. It's like, this bedroom scene is going to lead us into this scene and to the end of this one. And we'll roll into this one. And, and you kind of create a pocket of scenes. And, and that's, that's kind of like the, the bit in, um, a ghost story to, 
to bring it to that when right. he's, the, there's a scene in that where Casey's character is sort of moving through time a little accelerated, and that's a real pocket of time, and, and that's kind of um, something that we, you know, I'm, I'm scratching the surface of right now a little bit with my gaffers, so. Do you feel like the sort of feeling aspect comes from the, the documentary background that you have? I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I think I've always been a pretty sensitive person. Um, not always to others' feelings, but certainly sensitive <laughs> to my own. <laughs> um, you know, perhaps, to, you know, kids can be real assholes, and I was one as well um, at right. times and, you know, certainly regret things I've done. But I, I have a deep empathy for people um, and really feel for people and can really get there fast. Um, when I think mm. about certain scenes in movies or that, or, you know, certain things that we're about to shoot, I can really get into that headspace. And I think it really helps me, um, helps me with the work and it keeps me inspired and grounded and, um, in the work, um, that we're trying to make. And, and it's not really like, um, I don't know if it was something I was that I reached through doc really so much as just sort of a part of me, I guess. And, um, and maybe it was an asset for me in documentary because I really felt for those kids and I really wanted to extend my, um, sympathy and empathy to them with the camera. And I really wanted to let the camera absorb or maybe not absorb, make the camera like, let them know that I love them or, you know, I don't know. It sounds really ridiculous, but I really just like so often there's a scene in Rich Hill, the documentary that you're mentioning is um, later on where one of the kids is going into the juvenile justice system and is going to go away from his parents. And, and that was a really hard scene for me to film because more than anything, I just really wanted to hug the kid and hang out with him and, you know, tell him it's going to be all right. And, um, and I couldn't, Obviously, I wanted, we were there to film it, and they, that was their understanding as well. And, and I really like feel while I was shooting it, I was doing that. And, and I hope that the photography somehow makes you feel that. And, and I, right. I doubt that it, you could pinpoint a way that it does it, but it certainly is, um, I, you know, I really, I try to do it very lovingly. It's so interesting the the idea of trying to love somebody through the camera because it's so separating. It you is, know? yeah. I'd be interested to hear if you have kind of gathered maybe some practical things that you you walk into a situation and you, that's how you want to approach it and that's how you want to feel coming out out the other side of it. So how do you practically jump into that? Is it just is it distance? Is it a focal length? You know, is it how do you approach it? Yeah, I think it can be. It, those are obviously my first two thoughts: is um, how close are we, and 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 what is the lens doing for that proximity? Right. And um, and I don't always think that the long lens and close is going to get you know getting too close is getting is invading a space in some ways right. and. Um, or being more, it is like micro looking at their face in ways that is not, um, the way you read a face. It's more like detailing a face. Um, but you know, when we, we, uh, Tracy, my co-director, who's my first cousin on Richo, when we talked about it early on, I really, I really wanted 
us to have a proximity to the kids that allowed them to be able to whisper to us almost. And I was really afraid that if we did like a sit down interview, let's say that the kid would really be projecting his voice and sitting upright and like, you know, doing his best, uh, news interview. And I was like, that is exactly what I don't want. I want to be in a dim, a dim lamp lit room and I want them to, you know, be telling me secrets. Right. And so, um, Does some of that come with just time? I think time? It's, it's also in your energy. Yeah, well, time time for sure as well. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's also your energy, the energy you right. bring to it, you know? Like, what is, my, what is my energy when I enter space with the camera? Am I calm? Am I open? Am I giving them things of myself? Am I, am I being emotional? This is, I think, mostly true for documentary. Right. Um, but although I, I think could be true for narrative in some ways, the way you the way you work with actors and talk with them before they step in. I I rarely get, I get so little time with actors because, you know, once they're out of my shot, they're going back to the trailer They're you know, and I'm with the next group of actors and I really don't get to talk to them that much. Um, And normally it's just kind of like jokey on set stuff, but I do, I've been thinking a lot more about that lately that I want to try to, um, try to bring something to the relationship with the actors um, that is respectful of their craft and trying to us mutually get to a space um, that can help, you know, where we're, we're trying to head. It always sucks to get bogged down in the editing process while you try to track down the soundtrack for your film. We've all been there and so has a team at Musicbed. In fact, that's the entire reason why they built their platform. By collaborating with hundreds of artists, bands, and composers, they've made it easier than ever to find the perfect song for your film and get back to your editing. You can download a single song, get unlimited music with a subscription, or even create a custom song or score from scratch. Their roster is growing every day with more than 20,000 songs ranging from cinematic and electronic to indie rock and hip hop. To create your free account and learn more, go to musicbed.com. Plus, as a good listener, they're giving you one month of subscription for free or 20% off a single song purchase. Just enter promo code GOOD when you check out. I'm ready to go. Checking my levels. This sounds good right here. Don't we all wish that Roger Deakins could hold our hands on set? Well, wish no more. Ease your anxiety with the new Deco Grip hand handles from Lemieux Company. Our lifelike Deco Grip hand handles are molded from the actual hands of legendary filmmaker Roger Deakins. Hell yeah, bro! Cast in military grade titanium, these hands give you the creative power to stand up to any assistant director. The full grain leather epidermis gives your users the authentic Roger Deakins touch. Hold hands with the legend like best friends or longtime lovers with the interlocking fingers feature. The Deco Grip Hand Handles by Lemieux Company. The same folks who brought you the best selling Vape Slate and Dolly Potty. Pay now with Visa, MasterCard, and Exposure Bucks. Use coupon code Rogers Little Deeks for 20% off. Get your Deco Grip Hand Handles today. Visit us online or on Instagram at lemieux.company. That's L-E-M-I-E-U-X dot C-O-M-P 
L-A-N-Y. The Mean Company. Do you feel the need to be really rounded as a cinematographer? Or do you kind of like the idea of like, I have my voice and that's what I want to say. And these are the people I, I say it with. I really admire cinematographers who have um, a clear style. And that goes from film to film where you're like, oh, that's this, this woman shot this movie. And it's so clear because she shot the other one that looks like this too. And um, right. I really admire that. But I don't think that's me because I, my taste in film and stories is so varied. Um, as is my taste in collaborators that I'd like to work with. Right. Um, and I think, you know, as hopefully I'll continue to make films with David, I really love making films with David, and I think he's very similar. And, you know, Pete's Dragon's very different from the film we made together, Ghost Story. And, you know, there are some common threads about David's sensitivity or his sense of humor, let's say. Um, but they're very, very different films. So, you know, I think... In that respect, I do want to be well-rounded um, because I want to shoot a lot of different things. And you know, right. I've done a pretty stand—not standard. I've done a, you know, I've done a horror movie. I've done a sort of psychosexual thriller and or um, and and a teacher. I've done a documentary. Now I've done you know an art house, um, right. very long still movie and a ghost story i've done a, a pretty broad <laughs> comedy in um in the long dumb road which is one i did also with hannah from a teacher and um you know I, they just bounce it bounces around like the i did another one with hannah as well which was like a verite two-hander romance which was um i think bringing a lot of like my cinematography from rich hill or like at least my operating from rich hill into right. that movie um and then there's one which has not yet been released called uh, Wolf Boy that are true adventures of Wolf Boy. That's definitely trying to like get a little more um, traditional in some ways that I think you'll, you'll see is a, a, a maturation in some ways of my cinematography. When you look at your work and I'm sure this is true for you as well, you, um, you can be self-critical and and I I had a really good friend growing up uh, who is also um, you know like an artist in his own right and we were kind of coming up together and this is when we were in high school and um, he's one of my best buds and you know we'd make a lot of funny things together like videos and and art and um, you know he was a great painter and I was really into painting as well and we just kind of like pushed each other in interesting ways but the thing that he always had that I never did was energy. And I really like, uh, well, I saw something he made, a video that he made without me, and I made a video without him nearly at the exact same time. And they were just so different from one right. another. And his was so poppy and so inventive and so interesting and lively. And mine was so slow <laughs> and so boring when I looked at it in comparison to his. And I was just, right. just like ashamed at how much better he was than me. And uh, so I've truthfully like, that's a roundabout way of saying that I have a self criticism of myself that, or self criticism right. that, that my stuff is too meditative sometimes. And that I, I am lately searching for 
what is my version of energy and what is my version of, um, of that poppy thing my friend made that's still my voice. And, um, and you know, I, I, I'm also about to set out on yet another movie, which, um, will undoubtedly have some extremely long takes, but, um, but we'll see. I'm curious to see how it evolves and if I can bring inject some of the energy then, um, that I, that I so desired when I was in high school and was so jealous of. David and I were talking about that the other day that um, he learned recently or is still learning. He says that it's hard to know, how did he word it? It was so nicely put and it was something that I uh, needed to hear. Oh, it's hard to know what you, what you should make or what you can make and, and can and you're able to make and what you just like as a filmmaker. Right. Or, a, or as a film viewer, let's say. That's so I might yeah. not be the best cinematographer for a really great, a really super fast action movie. And I, although I really love action movies, right. um, <laughs> and I shouldn't say that because I would love to shoot one as well. So I don't want to rule that out for myself. But um, you know, the the knowing the the difference between the two, I think, is a is helpful. If that is any help to you. What do you feel is the uh, the most important um, dynamics between a, a director and a cinematographer? Um, I think being open with one another and honest without um, fear of hurting each other's feelings. Like I, yeah. I really value being able to just toss an idea out and a director to say to me um, quickly the reason why or why not. And to forget about it. If it's not, if it was a bad idea, maybe I'll hear that and I'll receive it and move on and let's talk about other ideas and let's just keep, let's keep going. And maybe if it was something that I keep thinking about and I'm like, this is actually the, really the way we should approach it. I'll, I'll try again. And, um, and I appreciate the director's willingness to hear, um, my thoughts or about those things. And, um, I really, I really like a, a deep collaboration. I like having ideas from them as well as them allowing me to have space to to do things, um, right. to to create shots, to create light, to create um, movement and mood. And um, I really like uh, directors who invite me into every part of the process because it really helps me understand. There's like a real long time when you're starting out with somebody learning them is a time that you really just want to be inside their head. And it can take a bit to really get in there and know exactly what they mean about this movie that you're about to make. And when you start to hear their thoughts on the music uh, and you hear their thoughts on the costume and wardrobe and makeup and, and editing in particular is huge for me to understand their approach to editing and how things might be cut and how things feel and move. Um, so inviting me into that and not only letting me understand what they think, but also allowing me to give input on those things. Um, that I think is really a great collaboration. Do you do any commercials? I do. Yeah. I, um, I more recently just started doing some, I just did a, a Facebook job and um, I shot an Apple commercial late last year that's not yet aired, but should be out by the time I suspect you'd put this out. And these are all strictly um, DPs, right? Because you, you, you still 
do you want to direct and, and move into that as well? Or do you want to coexist in between or what do you want to do? I've been struggling with that lately. I think, um, I view myself as a cinematographer primarily lately. I still though have an urge occasionally to make films and there's a, there's a script that I've been kind of working on for a while with a friend who, or my friend Dylan wrote it. Um, but I've been trying to, you know, find financing and find cast for it. And Mm. I would love to see that come to fruition. And, and with, Dylan, we talk about other ideas as well. Like I have an idea for a television show that I'd really like to do. And um, there's some, you know, I get asked occasionally still to direct things. And um, I do want, I do still want that. I think I want it less than I used to, which is interesting. And, um, and I don't, I don't see myself stopping shooting. I don't see directing as the ultimate goal, I'll say. Um, But I, would I would love to do both? I think is, but I would primarily like to shoot still. So right. it's a long a long answer, but I'm I'm c- clearly like still battling and grappling with it, and I haven't actually directed anything in a l- quite a bit actually at this point. I did I directed a few commercials uh, about a year ago, but that's about it. What's your biggest pet peeve on set? Pet peeve? Yeah. Um, I really dislike. Uh, chatter and noisy sets. It's just I can't work in that environment. I have to get, I have to grab the AD and say, "Please get them out of here." I can't light, or just like too many bodies in a small room, and it's like all mm-hmm. these other people, and you know they all need to be in there for their jobs, of course. And it's just tough when you're like, "Fuck," trying to light, and uh, it's just like ten people in this shot right now. Do you know yeah. who said the exact same thing? Who's that? Uh, James Laxton. Oh, yeah. yeah. He yeah, said yeah. the exact same thing. It's interesting. I, and that's I was, also because I, 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 that's my biggest thing is just people sitting around or like just kind of whispering, talking, and then yeah. it, it culminates to like 10 conversations. Oh, it becomes a and whole thing. You, yeah. Right. <laughs> so the first movie I shot was this um, horror movie, You're Next, which you mentioned earlier. And there's like a, a dinner scene with 10 people. And the majority of those people are um really like good at ad libbing and right. or improvising rather and and in between takes they would just get <laughs> they would just be one upping each other and just I mean it was undoubtedly funny but the how loud it got in that room was unbelievable. But the the person that I think about the most in that is not like the jokes which were probably wonderful, but it's an actor, Amy Simons, who's also a direct you know incredible director. Mm-hmm she would sit in between each take and just sit so quietly and would just not move. And I just think about her every time I think about like what really professional actors right. I, I imagine in my mind are like, they're just waiting for their time to do their next take. They're thinking, they're preparing, they're imagining themselves. And, and I was like, Amy Simons is the best forever for me for doing exactly that. What is the one moment, the one moment that sticks out to you of like a, the perfect moment on set? I mean, the moment I really like uh, a lot of stuff from a ghost story, and um, I find that that I was I was in some ways really like feeling authentically myself, and it felt of my voice, mm. um, and feeling really like happy with my cinematography and happy with the movie, and um, while we were shooting it, and so a lot of things I like in that movie, and um, it's. First of all, it's, it's lovely to like love 
what you're making. It's so great, right. but because um, it's not always the case. But anyway, that movie, I, re- I really enjoy it uh, as a viewer. And um, but shooting the moment with Rooney and the pie, actually, I quite mm. liked for a lot of reasons, and um, I mean, some of which is just like the happenstance and charm and luck of getting to schedule it um, with that like dapple of light behind her that happens, you know, it's a certain time of day at this house and a very small window. And, you know, we only had one take of that and it just lined up perfectly. And I was like, just so happy with that. Um, And that's, that's, that's great. When, when things that you couldn't have planned any better just land and it happens and, and you feel great and you're like, we captured a moment and it really is an authentic thing. I love talking with um, Richard Porter a couple months ago. He, he was just saying how limited you guys, how limited resources you guys actually had to make oh that God. house. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Shooting day for night and, and sometimes, I think night for day sometimes as well. Uh, yeah, he would know um, more intimately than anyone. Richard <laughs> Richard Porter was the for those that don't know was our our key grip on the film, and he would he with um, his other grips would you know which were only numbered probably two folks on any given day right. um, were out in the hundred degree Texas heat helping make you know um, tenting out windows and. Um, and with limited, such limited resources and just sweating their asses off. And, um, and, and I'm so thankful for their hard work. Sort of a technical question from Mm -hmm. somebody. Um, they say, I heard you mixed frame rates for this film. What was the experience like in the process to decide how to use that? In a ghost story, we did do a lot of mixed frame rates. Um, we shot some 33 frames and and mixed that with 23.98 stuff. That you just kind of it's imperceptibly slow. I mean, it, it is perceptible. You know, it is slower, but sometimes it just makes movement a little more um, uncanny or something. It makes it mm. a, it moves it into gesture instead of. Mm. Um, packing a bag, it's becoming. It becomes more like a, a a symbolic image or something. I don't know what what it does exactly, but it, we we're likely to do more of that in this film as well at times. And it just kind of punctuates things without being like, "Hey, we're in slow motion land," you know. And right. sometimes slow motion world, when films drop into you know the seventy frames or one hundred and twenty or even further, it's like, "Oh, here we go." Right, you know, we know we're going into that thing. I love uh, that. It's it's great. I love moments like that, but it's cool to also do it where it's just kind of slips by without anyone really knowing. Right. I love that it's it's actually trying to make it feel closer to reality. It's because like even forty forty eight or something, it just double is is sometimes a little bit a little too know. slow. It's a little too yeah. slow. So yeah. thirty something weird like a thirty five or thirty two is like. I can. I think that's really smart. Super interesting to what, to get it just been, a little bit slower. Yeah, it just takes the edge off. Is I think right. the easiest way to say it. Um, and the thing I've been struggling with lately, and I think about a lot, is um, like the movies that I really I often like are uh, are bigger, more theatrical movies, and and are theatrically lit actually when I think about them. But when I'm lighting or when I'm watching an actor perform, my natural inclination is to be attracted to things which are 
more natural and played mm-hmm. naturally. And, and I'm, I'm now finding, um, I'm pushing against that urge and trying to make things more, um, more staged and more theatrical and, and more towards, you know, bigger gestures. And so, um, you know, those two opposing views, you know, and some of, some of that also kind of comes into what I think 33 frames does is it can take what is a normal motion and moves it into something like, mm. um, more some, something like a movie in a way that, um, is, yeah. Well, I'm hoping that you could leave me with a, uh, maybe one Shane Carruth story. One what story? I'm sorry. You cut out. One, one Shane Carruth story. What can I say about Shane Carruth? Uh, <laughs> I love Shane. Shane's a great guy. I'm trying to think of uh, how many juicy stories of Shane. Well, let me tell you why I asked. I actually do. I have one juicy story, and I don't okay. know if this is privileged information or not. Uh, it might be, but I'll just divorce it from whatever project it was. And this just tickles me so much that <laughs> he he's like known for his um, inability to do things the way that they're done, like the way that makes them easy for crews or easy right. to shoot or something. His brain just doesn't work like that, I don't think. And he's a super nice guy and really easy to talk to. And, um, you know, I don't know him that well. I've just I've met him a few times, really. But right. I heard a story from a shoot that he wanted to do uh, – I guess what was supposed to be two people seated talking. He didn't want to do them seated talking, which nobody does. It's, it can be so boring. And instead of doing the tr- traditional walk and talk, he was like, well, let's have them ride bikes and talk. <laughs> and, and it just like came out of left field apparently. And they were so unprepared for such a thing that they right. had just really not any mechanism to capture it. Like, well, okay, <laughs> they're going to ride away from us. Like immediately we don't have any, like we're no, we have no car to shoot from or anything. And he, he just like, couldn't understand why it was a problem. Like, and I just, that's, I just think it's like, that is a, a person's mind just being so funny to me. And it's such an inside baseball right. to filmmaking move. But, uh, I just think it's so funny. I don't know if he would be embarrassed about that or not, but um, no, I, think, I, I say hats off to Shane for really just right. like re- reinventing the wheel there. Well, I, th- I think it 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 plays into his uh, his mystery even more. Yeah, you know? he's he's With, not. The, I I have to just demystify him because he's not good. mysterious. He's a really great, nice guy, and uh, I think him being. He, he well, he's just so be, elusive. He would love you know? to be making more movies. He's just not like he just can't get the money for him. And right. I, I don't think any any you know, from I understand little I understand of him. He would he would love to be making a movie a year. It seems like, but and has lots of ideas. It's not that he's like off um, and is like Terrence Malick downtime. No, right, you right. Know, <laughs> teaching French or whatever Terrence Malick supposedly did, but he, it's yeah. just such an enigma of a career, you know, um, totally. that people. And my, me myself find him very just like fascinating, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people would would find that too. But yeah. um, but dude, thank you so much for for hopping yeah. on with me. I hope you enjoyed absolutely. yourself. I absolutely did. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. This episode was mixed by Christian Stratko, or as I like to call him, my dear friend Christian. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Good the Podcast. 